So Matthew 23, have you ever read Matthew 23? Some, some very strong words, especially coming from Christ. Um, the last week of his life, or two weeks of his life. And in there he confronts the scribes and the Pharisees, the scholars and the mainstream preachers of the day. And the things he says to them, you know, today if, if someone says them, we would, we'd be easily offended. You know, someone would say, why, first of all, are you naming a certain religious group or a denomination or a group of uh, individuals and confronting them? You know, if a lot of preachers do that today, they, they get in trouble for that. They're like, why, why are you doing that? Other things that stand out to me here is Jesus confronts them and he has some of his harshest words for these religious leaders. He calls them brood of vipers, sons of Satan, hypocrites, meaning you're just actors and pretenders. You know, the pictures sometimes we get of, of Jesus, maybe from movies and other depictions, it seems like they want us to think of um, maybe a mega church preacher or some cleaned up polished guy in a nice suit kind of thing, or maybe the blue-eyed Jesus in a, in a toga that you look at in a lot of movies, who's always completely gentle. And Christ is gentle and loving. But he also knows what is destructive and what is harmful. And that's why he comes in in these passages of scriptures in his ministry. And he says, woe, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. He gives warning to them. Can we do the same today? Can we address religious leaders today and give them warning? Yeah, and they need it. We need it. We need to hear it. Christ did that. I think that comes to my mind, too, is when we look at this matter is we can address what is is fake religion, religion for show. And, you know, some people today will say, you know, I don't have religion. I have a relationship. And I understand what they're saying. They say they're having a fellowship and a communion with Christ. But that still is religion. In fact, the Bible tells us there's true religion. In James chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, we see true religion is to be unspotted from the world, to visit uh, widows and orphans in their time of need, to care for other people, and, and to not let any um, foul word come out of our mouth. That's true religion there in James chapter 1. And you see that very many times lacking in those who claim to believe and trust in God. They don't have true religion. Jesus preached, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, He says, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You hear what Christ is saying? You cannot enter in the kingdom of heaven and have the eternal reward unless your righteousness exceeds those of the scribes and Pharisees. How is that to happen? How is our righteousness to exceed them? And what we're going to see here from the first parable and story that I want to look at over in Luke chapter 18, that's going to be our exposition, is that our righteousness doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes from God. It comes from a state and a disposition of our heart of being humbled before, before God, before our Creator. But I think today, as we look at these words that we still see today, a common attitude of Phariseeism. There are still those who are religious today who trust in themselves for righteousness, who boast of themselves and say some peculiar prayers. I want us to look at that. Look with me now in Luke chapter 18, and let's read that. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. 
So here, the, it says here that Jesus spoke a parable. A parable means, of course, it's a story, but it runs parallel to the truth. And all because it's a parable doesn't mean that this wasn't an actual event, something that really, um, uh, that's something that uh, didn't happen, but that it did happen. So listen to this. And he spoke, the, his par- he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You already see the problem there. Those who trusted in themselves and yet despised others. He said, two men went down to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. So see, the Pharisee's praying. Isn't that good? He's thanking God. But notice how he does it. He says, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. That's an interesting prayer for him to pray in the context of seeing the tax collector there. And then we read here, he says, he speaks about, and he says this to God, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." And Christ's words are clear as he speaks against the hypocrisy and against these religious leaders who despised others, who trusted themselves for righteousness. They were the very definition of being self-righteous, the way they behaved and they acted. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus says to the Pharisees there, he says, you are, are those who, just, who justify yourselves by men or before men, but God knows your hearts for what <clears throat> for what is uh, esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Luke 16 and verse 15. What is esteemed among men is an abomination in the eyes of God. In other words, these men have made themselves the standard. They put themselves forward as it. As though God owes them their salvation, as though they're made righteous. And Christ confronts that. He addresses this group that most of uh, the Jewish nation are listening to. They're listening to these Pharisees. These are the ones who are going around, who we read about earlier, who are called rabbi. And they go on their circuits around preaching. And yet, there's some things that they do that are evidently corrupt and wrong. They're not humble before God. They thank God that they're not like others. And here the scriptures and Jesus teaches us, don't do that. The Pharisees trusted in their own religious practices, in their own traditions. Remember, he says right there, I fast twice a week. Where is that in the law of Moses? Well, I came up with it on my own. It's it's essentially what the Pharisee has done here. And what else? Oh, I tithe. I tithe of everything. Well, yes, you're commanded to, to tithe in the Old Testament. But he's boasting again of his works, justifying himself. And yet, Christ speaks of the tax collector, the one who has aligned himself with Rome, the one who comes into the temple, who humbles himself and beats his breast, saying to God, I am a sinner. And God wants that heart in us. 
He wants us to humble ourselves, not to be looking at others around us and thinking, God, I thank you that so much better than them, but that he's concentrating on himself and his relationship with his creator. And so it says here that God justifies the tax collector over the Pharisee because the Pharisee exalted himself. And yet the tax collector humbled himself. Now, as we look at this, we could say, didn't the Pharisees have a relationship with God? They had some kind of relationship, didn't they? Weren't they religious? Didn't they believe in God? Didn't he just pray to God and give thanks to him? But it was his attitude and his heart that was wrong and what was corrupt. And I can't help it, and I hope that you feel the same way. When I read these words, I examine myself. God, am I humble as I should be? Forgive me of my sins. Help me not to be like a Pharisee. Help me not be like those who boast of themselves. I think about this today because we could carry this a little bit further. And I've heard it gone to this extent. How many people pray today? Someone might pray today, God, thank you that I'm not like that church over there or those people over there or those Pharisees over there and what they believe and what they do. If we do that, we've just done the same thing. We committed the same sin. Now we put the Pharisee in the place of the tax collector and we put ourselves in a place of justifying ourselves and uh, exalting ourselves. I want us to look at a few of the things that the Pharisees said and they did and the things that Christ corrected about them. So over in Mark chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, Mark 2, verses 16 and 17, this is what we read. Here they find Jesus eating. With sinners and tax collectors. It says, When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And automatically you find out where Christ's priority was and why he came and who he came to help. But his words apply not just to whom he was with, but those who were judging him for what he was doing. So Jesus heard it and he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I said, why is it that Jesus spent time with with, uh, tax collectors and sinners? Was it to tell them that they were okay? No, it was to give them warning as well. It was to give them instruction as well. Here he is, the Son of God. He has come as the physician. He has come to call sinners to repentance. But you know, you exclude yourself from that group when you say, well, I'm well, I'm not sick. I'm righteous and I'm not a sinner. Now you don't need Jesus anymore. All of a sudden, it's God, you owe me salvation. God, you know how good I am. I don't need to do anything else. I don't need to have a state of repentance in my heart or a state of mind of of, of change. And so the word repentance there means to change the mind, to change the way that we think, the way that we behave. And so when Christ, again, when he says that, you see his heart and his intention is to help others. He cares for others. He loves for others. And if you don't recognize that you're sick and you don't recognize that you sin, you're going to find that you have no love or no need for Jesus Christ. You're going to find that your religion is fake and it's hollow and it's empty and it's not true. And the relationship you claim to be with God is false. The Pharisees were fascinated with their appearance. They wanted to appear religious. They wanted to appear righteous rather than actually seeking God. 
This week I was having a discussion with one of my managers. I was really encouraged by him. He's been reading through the book of Genesis, and he'll come in every morning, and we almost have a Bible study. Good discussion. And I love that where I am, I'm at right now to be able to do that. And uh, talking with him, he said, you know what? I got tired of taking other people's word for it, and I wanted to read the book. I want to know the truth of it. I can't take anybody else's his word for it. I want to know what Jesus said, what the Bible says, what Genesis says. And so he's begun, he's committed himself to the study of the scriptures. And I love that. It's beautiful, great. He's not about his appearance here. Uh, my manager was about, he's sincerely seeking after God and Christ. And I was very encouraged by that. In Matthew 23, going back to that whole section, the whole chapter there in Matthew 23, you have Jesus saying woe to the scribes and Pharisees, those who have sinned and who have corrupted religion and corrupted the faith, and they've turned it into a mere uh, matter of appearance. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 23 to 28. Christ says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Again, strong words. You're pretenders, you're fakes. He says, for you pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin. In other words, you tithe so well, you all the way down to the spices you grow in your garden. You give 10% of those away. And yet, he says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters of God's law? Justice and mercy and faith. These you have Ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides. That's what he calls them. You're blind. You, you can't see and you don't know where you're going. You're all going to fall in a, a ditch together is what he says elsewhere in the Gospel of Luke. He says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. And if you know that picture there, a gnat being considered unclean, if one of them were to fall into your drink... If Pharisee wants nothing unclean within them, they'll strain out that gnat. And yet he says, and the things that you're doing, you're swallowing the most unclean, the largest one animal of all that is unclean that they would have known. In that area was a camel. You're just swallowing the camel. You're going along with this. You've made up false religion and you've swallowed it all. Look at verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup in the dish. You cleanse the outside of it, but the inside is full of extortion and self-indulgence. And they're all about cleaning their dishes and cleaning their couches and keeping everything clean. And yet he says what's in the inside is what is corrupt and not clean. And so Christ says, blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside may also be clean. You think about those words and listen again what Christ says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which we read this morning, which appear beautiful outwardly, but instead are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. These monuments that they built to those who have passed away, they're beautiful and they put lots of money into them. And Jesus says, you just like them. You appear great on the outside and beautiful, but inside you're full of death. Verse 28, even so you outward appear to be righteous, but inward you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now, as we think about those things, does that any way describe uh, our culture today? Does it describe the religious world? And how should we handle that? Should we stand up and say, thank you, God, that I'm not like them? 
Now, the point of what Christ is teaching and saying is for us to humble ourselves, to make sure that we're diligent to follow him and his words. Now, the apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 26, he says, I was once a Pharisee. And he said this in multiple places. And he says, this is the strictest sect of, of the Jews. And while they were, they were very strict, they were strict about their traditions rather than about God's commandments and his instructions. And we see that when it came to the institution of marriage and how God set it up, the Pharisees were always looking for an outright, a reason that you can divorce for any reason. They would take that passage out of Deuteronomy 24, where Moses says that you can have a certificate of divorce, and they were always looking for that. And as we read in the context last Wednesday night, it appears that they were doing it maybe for financial gain. There in Luke chapter, what was that? Luke chapter 16 and verse 18. So over here in Matthew 19, the Pharisees, they come to Jesus and they ask him about marriage. And we begin to see a lot more about them and what happened, what was produced by their character, what they were willing to compromise and give up on. And so it says here in Matthew 19, verses 7 through 9, they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And verse 8, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, this is what Jesus says to the Pharisees, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, is committing adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced is committing adultery. This is some of the toughest words of Christ right there. In Matthew chapter 19, with the Pharisees, they had abused marriage. They had abused the institution and taken advantage of it. They'd given way to their own, what they wanted to do. They had bent things for culture and for themselves. As we continue to look at the Pharisees, another thing that stands out about their character is, again, they went to their own traditions. And how does this compare to our culture today? What does the world today say about marriage? What does it say about religious traditions? I've seen and I've heard people say, I'm going to keep this religious tradition. But they, can't, but they don't keep God's commandments when it comes to assembling with the saints or communing with one another, communing in, in the Lord's Supper. Those things are to them, even though those are God-given, that's a tradition that comes from Jesus Christ. They're willing to set that aside because they have their own way of doing things. And so we see that as is referenced here. And we made, had a sermon before a few weeks ago on this, but Mark chapter 7 and verse 8, this is what Jesus says. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and of cups and of many such things you do. And of course, they're washing the outside, rather the inside. Jesus says down there in Mark 7 verse 13, he says, and you do this and you you you. You ignore your parents. You'd rather give for show and you'd rather give to the temple and tell them that everything that you could give them has been given to somebody else. So you lack compassion. And he says, and by doing that, you make the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things that you do. A number of these things that stand out about the Pharisees, about the religious world. And I think we need to do what Christ did and say, whoa, warning, let's change, let's repent. Let's give up on our traditions and just follow the commandments of God. Let's give up on the appearance of righteousness and be righteous by, by allowing God to make us righteous by his word. Let's give up on that fake religion. And lastly, one thing that 
also stands out about the Pharisees as Christ brought out in Mark chapter 11. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. And look in verses 30 and following. Jesus confronts the Pharisees and he says, You close off the kingdom of heaven from other people. You shut off away from yourselves and from others from having eternal life. And he says here in Mark chapter 11, as they've been asking him questions and they've been putting him on the spot and saying, Jesus, why did you cleanse the temple? What authority do you have to do this? And as they continue to ask him questions about the resurrection and his behavior, it comes down to this. He asks them questions. And here he has a response to those who come to him and question him about what authority he has. So there on Mark chapter 11, look in verse 30. I'm going to back up to verse 29. But Jesus answered and said to them, and I will ask you one question, then answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. He says, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. How did they respond to John's baptism? How did they respond to John as a prophet calling the nation to repentance, a prophet sent by God? It says here in verse 31, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? Well, how did Jesus know that they didn't believe in him? Because they never were baptized. They rejected it. By their very behavior, they were opposed to it. Look at verse 32. He says, But if we say from men, they feared the people, for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. And so they answered and said to him, We do not know. Clearly they didn't believe in John. They didn't believe in the message that he taught. They didn't believe in that baptism. And they rejected it. Their behavior showed that they, had, they didn't want God's word. They didn't want to repent because John's baptism was all about repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And they made it clear. They wouldn't state where. These, these are supposed to be the leaders of the Jewish people, where baptism came from. Over in Luke chapter 7, we read about this in detail. Verse 29 through 30. It says, When all the people heard him, heard John the Baptist, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. That's another indication today of fake religion. When we have the commandments of God, we need to believe in them and trust them. We need to make sure that our religion and our faith is not about appearance and what we look like, but that it's true and that it's sincere. That we're willing to keep God's institutions, the institution of marriage, the way that God has given it to us. That we will not compromise and give up on the commandments that are given to us from Christ. As far as communion and baptism, or to love our neighbor as ourself, or to love our enemies, we're not willing to compromise those those things, but we're going to live faithfully according to the words of Christ. And when when we're commanded by Christ, when Christ was from the dead and He commands us to be baptized, we know not to compromise that. that. Those who reject it, who dismiss it, the religion... Is empty. It's missing. Woe to them. You see, fake religion shuts the door to everlasting life. And Jesus says in Matthew 23 and verse 13, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. 
Christ wants all to come to him, to believe in him, to trust in him. These false leaders, they made another way. They come up with their own rules. They cut off the kingdom of heaven from other people. Let's have sincere faith, a real faith that trusts in Jesus Christ. Not make up our own religion and our own faith. Let's diligently follow, follow God. I encourage you this morning, if you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, die to yourself, be buried in the waters of baptism as Jesus commanded, and rise to walk in the newness of life. Peter preached, he said, that's when you're forgiven of your sins. Peter also says in 1 Peter 3.21, that's when we're saved. That's what the Bible teaches. I encourage you, if you need to put on Christ this morning in baptism, you need to repent, you need encouragement, you need us to pray with you. We want to encourage you in every way, whether you come forward or not, to talk to somebody. Let's stand and sing together.